we can actually measure with a huge sample size, so a good level of confidence in it, where people are looking to rent. And so that's what we call a leading indicator, right? Previously, data that's been available has been lagging indicators, but these are all happening after the fact. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm your host, Nicolina Savelli. And in this show, I take a tactical approach to helping those in multifamily improve their marketing and advertising efforts. And today, I have Matt DeViro with me, who is the Marketing Operations Manager here at RentSync. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for having me, Nick. Now, Matt, your title, I must say, definitely underplays the work you do here at RentSync. And before we dive into this conversation, I think it's important for listeners to fully understand what it is you contribute to in order to provide just a better understanding of of what we're going to talk about in this episode. So do you mind telling us a little bit about your background and really what your core function is on the RentSync growth team? Absolutely. So here at RentSync, I am the marketing operations manager. What that means is basically I use a combination of data and automation to help make our sales and marketing teams' lives easier. Mm -hmm. I try and smooth out the sales process as much as possible to help our sales team bring new clientele into the company. And I also clean sort through and make our various data sets more actionable to the various teams we work with across the company. Perfect. And I think that data point is also is going to be the core discussion we have today, because I asked you to be a guest on this episode for a couple of reasons. First, you contribute immensely to our national rental demand report, which helps developers and marketers get a sense of where demand is moving across Canada. And second, nearly after a year of doing the report, we just added some new data to it, which I think we wanted to try and highlight and speak to so that people knew it was available to them. But before I joined RentSync, and I'm going to give you this credit, you had originally come up with the concept of tracking rental demand using our data. So can you tell me a little bit of the origin story of the report and why it became a necessity for us to start working on? Thanks, Nick. I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm proud. This was uh, a little bit of my brainchild and it's Absolutely. Kind of something here. So yeah, we have an enormous amount of data at our fingertips here at RentSync on the Canadian rental market, the rental market in general. And I and you know, among a team here at RentSync, we're tasked with finding a way to measure the demand for rental units in various markets and make it shareable and digestible and valuable to our clients. Yeah. You know, I'm a big, big Toronto Blue Jays fan, big (laughs) baseball fan, big sports fan. And you follow enough sports, especially baseball, and they have a statistic for everything. They have crazy math and numbers and highly advanced stats that go into measuring player performance. Sure. And in baseball specifically, there's a statistic called war which stands for wins above replacement. But basically what it does is it measures every contribution a baseball player makes to their team winning, Hmm. pitching, hitting, 
fielding defense. And it boils it down into one single number, which is usually a, a one digit number. You're not getting right, right. crazy decimal places. You're not getting into the hundreds. It's a player was worth seven war. Got it. Is a phrase in baseball. And so my thinking around this project was how can we boil yeah. this demand down into one easy, short number that we can measure? And, you know, together with some team members here at Rensink, we developed the formula for demand score. Yep. And the demand report was kind of born there. Absolutely. I mean, I had no idea that that was the brainchild that emerged, but that makes so much sense knowing you that that was kind of how you thought about boiling down demand into into one score because there are obviously a lot of factors, but being able to just kind of take away that one really prominent number and say, this is an indication of, of demand is a really simple way for helping people get a sense of the market and the cities that are growing or not growing or taking shape right now. So obviously the report has taken on a life of its own. Originally, I think we were just trying to help marketers see if their leads were in line with the market they were advertising in, whether or not they were hitting industry benchmarks or not. But now it's actually gone one step further and is a source for developers to get a sense of the emerging markets. Would you agree that over the last year, that's kind of now been the predominant message of this report? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's tremendous value there. Our demand data is very unique, right? Yeah. We can actually measure with a huge sample size, so a good level of confidence in it, where people are looking to rent. And so that's what we call a leading indicator, right? Previously, data that's been available has been lagging indicators. It's been where rents are increasing, where vacancy is low or high. But these are all happening after the fact. Right. You want to know ahead of time where the interest is, and that in turn will lead to lower vacancy and higher rent rates. Yes. That data is extremely valuable to a developer because if they do spot an outlier somewhere where the demand score is higher or is increasing month over month or year over year, where it's not really expected, Mm -hmm. that could be a market that's primed and ready for new rental units that can generate above market rental rates. And, you know, that just means a better ROI for the developer. Absolutely. I mean, I started doing this report not knowing, not anticipating that this was going to be the outcome. And I'm so glad it is because so many of our clients are those people and they rely on this heavily for their kind of just a month over month snapshot. But like, you don't know how it's impacting their meetings. Like they could be saying, well, this is what's happening. And and this report is really contributing to that now. So it's important for us to be as accurate as possible. And I do think it's important to say just how much data is actually being gathered from this report. It's not one source. It's Basically, every source of rental listings in Canada we're gathering information from and able to boil it down into something that's manageable and people can take away from. So in university, you needed at least three sources. We're well beyond that when it comes to citing our data. (laughs) Absolutely, Nick. You're right. We have so much reach in the Canadian rental listing market that we can collect all that data and get a really meaningful sample. And you're right. 
I think it's borne out that the value is there and the confidence is strong. Right. So now we're going to move on to some of the trends that have come from this report, which I know we're not experts, we're not economists, but I think that we can probably, you know, we've been analyzing data pretty regularly now that we can come up with some pretty good indications of trends and and things moving forward. So what would you say are the most important trends that have come from this report over the last year? And I have obviously my own ideas on this as well. Yeah, you know, Nick, I know you and I have gone back and forth on this a little bit. And we may not be economists, but I feel like we think we are sometimes. <laughs> Obviously, the biggest trend has been COVID and then the bounce back we're seeing now. Yes. In our August demand report, you'll see a lot of large year over year increases for various markets. Some markets as high as, you know, 500% year over year increases in demand. Which Which is is crazy because eight months ago, I was reporting a deficit in demand in some of these areas. And now it's like the surge in demand has really come full force in the last month or two. Absolutely. And, you know, for perspective, the average across our entire data set for August 21 versus August 20 is a 165% year over year increase in total demand. So in Canada, Mm -hmm. we're seeing 1.6 times the demand this summer than we were last summer, essentially. And, you know, that that says to me, renters who, you know, six months into a global pandemic, they were staying home. They delayed moving out from their parents' basement. They held on to whatever living arrangements they did out of caution. Mm Mm-hmm. Now they're back and they're back with a vengeance. And I think property <laughs> manager, yeah, property managers should be excited, cautiously excited. Cautiously excited. And another thing came out of this, and I've mentioned it not a lot on the podcast, but real estate has gone up so much that those who were living in their parents' house, they might not have enough money to go and buy a, a place. So the amount of renters the sheer number of renters, I think, are just has grown over the last year and a half because people can't afford to buy. So, and that surge is happening just because of the real estate market itself. People are now renters. Ones who thought they could have maybe purchased two years ago have been saving up are realizing they need a few more years, if not a lot more years to save. So they are renting. And another part of that is that these people do have money. It's not that they're not willing to spend on rent. They have money. They just don't have enough to put a $150,000 down on a house yet. And most of them are professionals. They're working professionals who are making money. So property managers should know they do have an opportunity here to really capitalize on who is renting now. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Nick. And you know, it's unfortunate that these people aren't able to to get in there if they want to. But at the same time, as property managers and marketers, use the data, find situations that'll be appealing to them, yes. market to them, build to them, and you'll come out on top. Yeah. Now, we recently added rent rates to the report, which for me became a question I was asking myself every time I did the report, is demand a reflection of affordability? And originally, my hypothesis was yes, 
But obviously, there's a number of factors that contribute to demand besides affordability. So what do you think is driving demand in certain markets right now? For instance, we've seen Oshawa, Ontario, on top of the demand report for quite a few months. What do you think is the major driving factor? And I know affordability is also a part of that. Is there anything else that you think is contributing? Are you looking to connect with more renters in Quebec and fill units fast? When you syndicate your properties with RentSync, you'll have free access to some of the most popular rental listing sites in the province, including Louet.ca and Logique Quebec. Plus, we've upgraded our autoresponder tool so you can instantly translate your emails in French to better engage with all your prospects. If you're currently a RentSync client, your account manager can help you get set up. Or if you're looking for more information, visit rentsync.com forward slash Quebec dash rental dash listings. Now let's get back to the show. You know, I feel like it's probably been talked about ad nauseum between our show and every other media outlet everywhere. But the work from home movement is such a huge factor. And it's people realizing they can move from a high cost area to a low cost area. Yep. I think the data bears that out. We are seeing crazy growth in quote unquote, remote places. Totally. We're not seeing growth in outlier communities. We're seeing growth in the suburbs of major cities and even the small communities outside of those suburbs. Commuter cities, if you will. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And we're seeing the definition of commuter city expand as those costs increase and as things move out wider. So people are deciding to make that short move from that big market into the smaller market for cost savings. And now that they know that they can work or even study from Mm -hmm. home, Mm -hmm. no one really expected us to be working remotely for this long, but I think it's really had a shift culture wise. And I think businesses and developers need to recognize that it's not like a short term play anymore. It's a life change that many people are sticking with. Yes. And it's an opportunity for new developments that may not have been attractive areas to start going now. And to your point as well, a lot of these cities have started to accommodate those people coming into them with better transportation, more train access, you know, hourly versus every three hours getting to and from cities. So I think obviously for developers to be aware of which cities have made those accommodations or who have plans to make those accommodations are obviously those should be the places that they're looking at because those are where renters are going to continue to go. If they can get in and out of their city fast, they're going to rent there. If they have accommodations nearby, transportation, they're going to rent there. So developers need to be aware of that and make the most out of that convenience for them. Absolutely. I think we're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube here, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is here to stay and we got to adapt. Totally. So over the last year, and maybe for the sake of repeating yourself, what would you say has been the most surprising trend? You know, I think when we started this, report, what blew me away was really how much demand there are for properties in these smaller markets. Even when you take COVID and work from home and everything out of the picture, 
how much more per property demand there is in some of these small communities. Mm-hmm. You know, we do the the top 10 every month. And it's kind of been a, a running joke between you and I that the city I live in, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful Welland, Ontario, <laughs> has been pretty consistently in the top 10. I think it dropped out this month, but it, it has- did this month, yes, but it's been there and we've seen it in other news articles, things that have come up, and the price of housing and everything has just shot up. And that is a reflection of our report is just predicting yeah. that month over month that that's what's happening. Totally. I mean, when you boil it down, it it makes sense. There's people retiring in the GTA Mm -hmm. and selling their million dollar homes and coming to live in beautiful Niagara. Mm -hmm. You know, there's young people who are choosing to have a little longer commute to, you know, some of these bigger communities like a Burlington or Hamilton, and and they'll make that commute to save and have a more affordable cost of living. And Mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's college and university, lots of students, especially now looking for a place to live for the next semester. And there's not a ton of supply available. So it only makes sense that demand is going to shoot up and developers can use that to make decisions. And the number of construction cranes I see around well and yeah is evidence that they are using that information and they're making decisions in that vein already. So yeah. that's exciting to see. No, kind of just a side note, I saw recently someone posting on Facebook Marketplace looking for their sister for a place to rent for five hundred dollars in Hamilton. And they were looking for a room. They were just looking for a room to rent. But the comment section underneath was like, good luck, good luck, good luck. I find that really sad that that's our perception. And I think that developers need to take note of that kind of lack of affordability in these areas and that this shouldn't be an impossible task. Like I had an interview with Arnab Dasidar about co-living. I feel like the opportunity for co-living is super untapped in a lot of markets. And I think that if developers or property managers can understand the value of renting per room, they can actually make more money off of that if they do that and create an opportunity for renters to find affordable accommodations so that it's not like a running joke. Oh, you're never going to find a room to rent for less than $500 a month. These are students trying to just get their foot in the door. They've literally maybe had a minimum wage job in their lifetime. How do you expect them to afford any more than that? And all you're going to do is get people defaulting or not paying their rent, and then you're going to have the vacancy later on. So you don't want that. You're just having to fill units again, which is a whole other thing that you have to deal with, which that's a cost to you as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Nick. Kind of alternatives and different strategies for renting is definitely something developers should be looking into to tackle that affordability issue as well. Yeah. Now, hypothetically, if you were a developer looking at this report, what would your next move be? I feel it's provided us with a good grasp of the Canadian rental market. Are there any cities that you feel or areas that you feel are really great opportunities for developers right now? Sure. Like we've kind of mentioned that these yep, yep. commuter communities are seeing high demand as people spread out. Mm-hmm. And so keep that in mind. Monitor the report, the demand. And like I said, keep an eye out for those 
outliers. Yeah. Some communities demand shooting up, doubling in a month or something like that. Why is that happening? Can you jump in there? Is it too early? Is it too late? Does it make sense? Yeah. The other thing is, you know, we've talked about the work from home movement. Keep that in mind when you develop and when you build, like Mm -hmm. build units that make sense for someone who's going to be potentially not leaving their house entire day. Yep. Balconies, like two bedrooms, maybe one isn't massive. It's an office. Yes. Lots of light and space. That'll really entice that young professional work from home renter into those spaces and you'll be able to get good return on those. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you were a marketer, what would be the first thing you'd look at to help you make the most out of this report? And I kind of mentioned it earlier, but we can maybe take it a little step further because it really was the reason we created the report. Luckily, Nick, we may not be economists, but (laughs) But we we are are marketers. marketers. (laughs) Yes. I think we have some insight. I think for me, the first thing I would look at is, is almost the opposite of if you're a developer. If you are a marketer for a property manager and you see demand falling in a market where you have vacancies and properties that you need to fill, get a jump on your competitors. Put out promotions. Mm-hmm. Invest more in advertising. Put incentives for move-ins. You know, Our clients put some amazing incentives that will catch a renter's eye, you know, moving costs paid for free internet for a year, gift cards for hundreds of hundreds of dollars. And it'll swing a renter towards sure. you earlier for sure. And the cost will, will be worth it in the end. Absolutely for you. So I would say use the data to get a jump on where you may be seeing vacancies in the future and respond accordingly. Yeah, I think that's an amazing point to make for marketers because if you're seeing an area, just whether it's COVID, whatever it could be that's causing just a, maybe a deficit in renters during a period of time, you can totally get a jump on it by looking at those numbers in the report, seeing how you can leverage your marketing to ensure vacancies don't remain high in your area. Because there's a lot of things you can do to avoid that. Absolutely. It's Marketing is kind of easy when demand is high. It's when demand totally. is low, you, you really have to... Get creative. Get, get creative. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, finally, if you could predict rental demand for the remainder of 2021, there's a lot of factors here, a lot of things that we don't know. What do you think we'll start seeing moving forward? Or maybe an easier question is, is there anything that could surprise you if something happened for the next four months out of the year, what would surprise you the most in rental demand? Well, you know, adding to our resume here, are we virologists as well? I think that's the top question. (laughs) Yeah, that is. Yeah, There's talk of a fourth wave. And I mean, there's evidence of a fourth wave. It's more than talk. So it's, I would really monitor closely what trends are happening, not just in our report, but mm. in other data sets that are widely available <laughs> when you look online. Prediction, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. I hope we see rent rates dropping in our primary markets to the point where demand returns, where it yeah. becomes affordable to live in these big markets. And we'll see an evening out of things, yeah. of markets, of demand across the board. I hope that's what happens. I can see a path where that happens. Yeah. 
We don't know. You, it's we a hard know. question to ask. Yeah. And I think the biggest surprise I, if this happened, mm-hmm. my biggest surprise would be that primary markets go right back to the way they were before COVID, that remote work dies and that's all just long gone and that we revert back to two years ago. I don't think that that's going to happen. So that would be the biggest surprise for me if it did. So on that note, Matt, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. And before you go, can you just let listeners know where they can connect with you? Maybe if they have any questions about the demand report, you can help them out. But yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Nick. It was a pleasure to be on here. I was excited when you asked me to make my podcast debut. I listened to enough of them. so Your first, hopefully not your last episode. Yeah, you know, if we want to talk uh, Blue Jays or website SEO, <laughs> uh, I can speak to those topics as Perfect. well. Perfect. If anyone out there listening wants to reach out, they can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Matt DeViro, D apostrophe A V I R R O. Send me a connect, and I'm happy to connect and respond and answer any questions. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time to join me on this episode of Sink or Swim. And on that note, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensync.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in the show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.